Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. If you'll listen real fast, I'm going to preach real fast and I'll get out of the way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This will not be a revelation to any of you or come as any great shock, but there is no doubt we are living in the last days. I believe we're living right on the very verge of a trumpet blast. We're living in a day where wrong is right and right is always wrong. And the more conservative, the more Christian you get, the more crazy and radical and all the names and all the butts of every joke and all the guns of the enemy seem to be turned on us. We now live in a day where if you're wrong, the wronger you get, the more you are praised. And you can be anything in this day, no matter what it is, and you can believe anything in this day, as long as you're not an old-time, Bible-believing Christian. And I'm here to tell you we are hindered, and we are opposed, and we face adversity on every hand. I'm here to tell you, thank God that Simon Peter knew what it was to face adversity. But in this one little verse in his first letter, he gives us what I believe are anchors that hold us in our adversities. Now, I'm an old Navy veteran, and I'm an avid fisherman, and I know a few things. I don't know much, but I know a few things about an anchor. One of the things I know about an anchor is it's worthless in calm water. If the waters are calm, you don't need an anchor. But you let the wind get to blowing. You let the waters get to rolling. You let the ship get to rocking back and forth. And you'll find out right quick you need an anchor. And you drop that anchor down, you know what that anchor will do? It'll run all the way to the bottom. And it'll start to dig in. And that anchor's looking for a rock. It's looking for something solid. And when it finds it, he'll grab a hold on to it. And the harder the wind blows, and the more the ocean rolls, and the more the boat rocks, you know what'll happen? The anchor will just shore up its grip. The tighter that anchor grips, I'm glad, thank God, we have anchors when the world's upside down, and the world's going crazy all around us, and craziness has made its way into the church. I'm amazed now that the world got churchy, and the church got worldly, and a lot of places you can't tell where one ends, and one begins. But I'm glad in my adversity when everything seems to be going against us. I'm glad, thank God, we have an anchor. And for just a few more minutes, I want to preach on this thought. Anchors in your adversity. Simon Peter begins this verse blessed. That word means highly favored, highly exalted. In the Weaver's Country Dictionary of Biblical Terms, it means praise. I think he said praise be the God. Sometimes in your adversity, the only anchor you're gonna have to, uh, that you'll have is you're going to have to shout anyway, amen. You're going to have to praise God anyway. I don't know what happened to our shout. We Baptists were shouting a long time before all these other denominations come along. I'm all 
always been an old time pew running, wild jumping, pew jumping, I'll running, shouting and raising my voice, type of Baptist. I'm born in the fire, and the smoke will not do. And when the wild seems like it's crumbling down all around you, sometimes you just gotta clean you off a plate and remember how God good God's been to you and rare back and just praise. God in it. He said, bless, praise. Watch that. Watch your Bible. He said, bless be, look at this little word, the God. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm married to a school teacher. And my school teacher wife told me that little word, the, is called a definite article. Meaning that everything that comes after it is put in a class all by itself. It means the and no other. It means the one and only. He said, blessed be the God. I'm going to tell you, we Christians are the only one got the right to praise. Because we don't just have a God, we have the God. Hallelujah. He is the God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's the God of all who trusted in Him. He's your God if you believe. And He's my God this morning. And I'm going to tell you, there's a world all around us bowing down before idols, falling for all kinds of philosophies, and they think they've got something to praise God about. I'm here to tell you, child of God, if you don't have nothing else today to praise God about, you ought to just rear back and say, thank God, our God is the God. He's still God. And beside Him, there is We ought to praise because we only one got the right to praise. Watch your Bible. He said, blessed be the God and Father of, here's another little word, our. Now, only we have the right to praise, we the only ones got a reason to praise. We got the right because he's the God. But we got a reason because. Now, I was thinking about when he said it, he lived in one of them neighborhoods that used to say, well, we're bad over here, but we ain't bad as that neighborhood where Weaver looks at. Now, that was the poor white trash. I live so far on the poor white trash side of town, that poor white trash called us poor white trash. We couldn't hardly get a church bus to come on that side of town and pick up a load of kids. And we were never good enough. We didn't smell good enough. We were never dressed good enough. But I'm glad, thank God, that one day the darling son of God said, there's somebody on that side of the trash and he sent them out over there to tell us about Jesus. Picked us up in a van. I remember that morning. I couldn't tell you what the preacher preached. I can tell you who was preaching. But I can't tell you a word he preached. I don't know a song they sang. I don't know what the choir sang. The hymns were. I don't know who sang the special. But before that man of God ever wrapped her up and said let's bow for prayer. The Holy Ghost came back to that sixth pew on the preacher's right hand side. Slid in there pulled the blinders off my eyes. I knew I was a sinner, but I never knew I was one like that. And I'd heard Jesus all my life. I knew he was a Savior, but I'd never seen him like that. And I stepped up out of that pew. Now listen, I'm gonna, can I give my testimony? Nobody had to get me to raise my hand. Nobody had said, I thank God's dealing with you. Would you like to come? I'll come back here and get you. No. Didn't nobody have to re reach over and say, if you want to go, I'll go with you. I jumped up and pushed people out of the way. I knocked people over in the pew trying to get out. I ran down. I take you this morning within two feet of where I knelt down. Didn't nobody read me a Romans road. I didn't go through it up an Ephesian highway. 
I didn't go through a Philippian jail. I knew I was a sinner. And I knelt down in repentance and faith and cried out. And he birthed me into his family. And now he's not just the God, but he's my God. And I didn't come from the right family. My daddy wasn't a preacher. I didn't have a whole lot of spiritual heritage. But that morning, he birthed me in a brand new family. And if I never have anything else to praise him about, thank God he's ours. He's Just take a few minutes and praise Him. I promise you it works. Amen. The worse they go against you, the deeper that anchor. I'm trying to hurry, preacher, but I'm going to share this. When I was a young preacher, I started out and had ten. My first church, I had ten. Five of them was my family. They didn't have no choice about cutting. And I remember sometimes it'd be good, sometimes it'd be dead as a hammer. And I had a man, he'd stand around. He's first one out the door when it was good. But he's the last one out when it go back. As the church began to grow a little bit, he began to help the young preacher boy, you know, wet behind the ears. I needed it. He'd come by and he'd say, preacher, it's kind of dead. I said, yes, you're dry. Yes. He said, what you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to get in a prayer closet. I'm going to go eat Sunday dinner. I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to get in this book. I'm going to grab the horns. I'm going to do that. I'm going to come back tonight. It'll be better. Finally, I'd have losing about 10 pounds. And hearing my wife fuss about having to throw all that food away, I said, wait a minute. It can't all be my fault. I mean, I'm working a full-time job, but I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm seeking God's face. I know that's the message. I, I'm doing all that I know to do. It can't all, it might be some of my fault, but it can't be all my fault. So I told my wife, I said, well, I'm fixing to run two of them off. She said, no. I told her why. She said, oh, don't do that. We just got them growing. I said, well, I can't take it no more. So we had a dead drive. I prayed for one. I please give us a dead pastor. It dead drive. They come out. I saw him standing around. He finally walked up there and said, it's dead drive. And I said, yes, it was. Man, it's bad. He said, preacher, what you going to do about it? I said, I want to ask you something. I said, what you going to do about it? He said, what do you think I would have done? I said, they're singing Jesus paid it all. I said, I think you all jumped out there in that middle aisle. Reached over and snatched your old sourpuss wife up and made a fool out of yourself for Christ, praising Him. Because that Bible said that He inhabits the praises of His people. You say, I don't feel God. Jump out there and brag on Him, shout a while. Praise Him. He'll show up. It is an anchor when you're in adversity. I'm hurrying. Not only do I see it in praise, He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is there an anchor in praise, but there's an anchor in a person. Amen. Simon Peter refers to him by his full human name. He said, Our Lord. He called him Lord because that is his sovereign name. He is Lord. Whether you believe He's Lord or not, He's Lord. Whether you receive Him as Lord or not, He's Lord. Whether you think He's running it or not, He's still Lord. When it looks like the devil's winning, He's Lord. When you don't understand why it's going that way, He's still Lord. He's still in control. He's still seated upon a throne. If we can look into heaven this morning, Jesus ain't pacing back and forth, wringing His hand, biting His fingernails off to the elbow. He ain't drinking Maylocks and eating tub. He don't need a nerve pill. He's exalted. He's high and lifted up. He's still glory. He is the sovereign. Amen. Amen. But I was a young preacher that come to the altar and motioned me down. 
I go down and say, what can I help you with? They say, get down here and pray with me that I'd make Jesus Lord. I used to do that. You may do it. I got convicted by the Holy Ghost one day. I told my wife, I said, well, I'm going to run some more off. Because the next one comes, I've got something for them. I was giving an invitation. They come up, motion me down there. I said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Who am I? He said, get down here, preacher. Pray with me. I make Jesus Lord. I said, go on back to your pew and sit down. You came way too late. God already made him Lord. There ain't no way you can make him Lord. They can't do anything about it. He's always been Lord. He'll always be Lord. Whether you believe that or not, he's Lord. He is the sovereign one. He's still holding the hearts of the king in his hand. He's still in control. He's still working out just like he purposed it to be. He is the sovereign one. But he said, our Lord Jesus. Jesus is his saving name. He's not only the sovereign one, he is the saving one. No wonder the angel told Mary, you shall call his name Jesus. Did you know this? That name means deliverer. Yeah, no wonder called him Jesus. Jesus has been the dearest friend I ever had. It wasn't the church, it wasn't the preacher. It was Jesus came to where I was and saved me, washed me in his blood, died for my sins, bore me in his own body. He saved me from my sins. But he's not just Savior from sins. He saved me from a lot of situations. He saved me from a lot of troubles. He saved me from a lot of heartaches. Have you ever noticed you talk about God? Nobody seems to get too ruffled. But if you mention that name Jesus, oh man, you start a fight. Especially in our climate and society today. You can't mention that name Jesus. I had a preacher friend got an invitation. I believe it was the Charlotte Hornets basketball game to pray the invocation. And they hand him a long list of do nots. And at the bottom of that list, in big bold letters, it said, Do not end your prayer in Jesus' name. Somebody asked me, said, Well, what would you have done? I said, I wouldn't pray the prayer. They said, You I guess you would have said in Jesus' name. I said, No, I'd have never said in Jesus' name. I wouldn't have caused no trouble. I just prayed, you know, bless and keep everybody safe and keep us safe as we travel and may we enjoy the goodness of God in that name that's above every name, the name of the Lamb of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the rose of sharing, the lily of my valley, my Savior, my God, my Lord, my friend, the dearest friend, the chief shepherd. I just kept going on that fire, just nudged me and said, for goodness sake, say in Jesus' name, get it over with, we got a basketball game to play. There's something about that. I was running back and forth to a meeting, driving back and forth. Now, now I don't care what pastors tell you, they don't like the evangelists to be late. They don't like it. They don't like it. They like it to be real early. They sure don't like to be late. And I was running a little bit ahead. I needed about three items at Walmart. So I went to pull over went in the Walmart. I ran in and got me three items. I knew the Walmart. 47 registers. Yeah. Two of them up. <laughs> I got into 20 items at least. I look. I told you, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but those two buggies in front of me, they had way, two or three buggies, they had way more than 20 items. I said, I can't wait. 
I mean, I'm really late. That pastor will be mad. He'll never invite me to come back. I said, I, I know what I'll do. Now, I have no ability with music or singing. So I just started saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Never heard a name like Jesus. There's just something about that name, Jesus. Jesus. And I really, I got to just praise him right there in the 20 hours left. That little old girl running red said, excuse me, sir. Uh, if you'll come on up, I'll wait on you. I said, well, what happened to them? said, well, one of them forgot a prescription. And another forgot the bread or something. I don't know what happened to that lady. She just walked off and left her butt. I paid for my items, got the car, started to revive me. And I said, thank God. I'll never wait in the line at Walmart ever again. I've got it figured out. I know how to do it. So the next time I rushed in there, I picked up two or three items. I came running up to the register. You know Walmart. 47 registers. Three of them up. A regular register. 20 items or less. Self-checkout. Now, I don't know about you. I ain't afraid to work. I work in every job. Uh, I had a job in every church I passed. But I ain't a checking folk out at Walmart. Don't want that job. And if I get it, I sure ain't going to do it for nothing. Now, you can do their job for them. Check yourself out if you want to. But I'm not doing it. So I got into 20 items or less. Honest. I looked up there. They were pulling double buggies. I said, double buggies don't worry me. Because I knew how to scatter them like quail. So I started, Jesus, 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 the sweetest name I know, the Savior of the world. Nobody like Jesus. What I didn't recognize was them two women in front of me were sisters. Uh -oh. Now, I didn't say sisters. I said they were sisters. And all of a sudden, my eyes of Jesus, Jesus, I heard them. And you tell when a sister's are worshiping because you get going around in a circle. Because he's my friend. And we started right there. I, you can say what you want to. I like to hear a big old sister. I like a big old sister. I like to hear a big old that woman was big enough and she had a voice like an angel and she was a singing the only spiritual I know and God got on me right there in the 20 hours of Leah and I went to have an old baby across the stable and they went to shouting and a clapping no rhythm I got no rhythm take out any rhythm every time I kick my leg it'd be in rhythm hey go ahead white boy go ahead and God, I looked over there at the manager, and he started over to us, and he'd back off. You thought I had two uh, AR-15s in my hand. He'd start over and back off. I looked at that little old girl running the register, and big old tears was running down her face. You said, what in the world would cause all of that? I told you, there's something about that name of Jesus. At the sound of that name, sinners are birthed in new life. Diseases eradicated. Devils tremble at the Jesus. There's a peace that passes all understanding. It is an anchor in your adversity. He is the saving. But he called him Christ. Lord's his sovereign name. Jesus is his saving name. Christ is his special name. Because Christ said, the name Christ said, he is the Old Testament Messiah that we've been looking for. Right. But he was special because he was the only one. Kill what them TV preachers tell you. Nobody else could have been full of God enough to die for your sins. Only Christ, only the Messiah could do it. Because whoever died for him had to be 100% sinless man. That's right. That's and it also had to be 100% 
thrice holy God. Because yeah. I needed somebody Come who on. could get down in the mighty clay where I was. Get way down there. But he was mad enough that he could reach down there and get me by the hand. But he's still God enough that he could reach all the way back in the third heaven and get God by the hand. And he could put that no account sinner uh, hand in the hand of a thrice holy God and redeem me and save me and wash me pure and white. It is his special name. He's special. Amen. There's an anchor in praise. There's an anchor in a person. I'll give you this one. I'll be finished. That what's it about? He said, Our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, what's this phrase? Hath begotten us again. Yes, yes, yes. You may not understand what that means, but I believe what Simon Peter says, he hath birthed us again. He hath birthed, up, birthed us to a hope. So hope is not wish upon a star. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, four-leaf clover. I hope everything works out. Hope is a possession that we who have been born again are born to it. It is our inheritance. It is our possession. We don't have to pray for hope. We don't have to look for hope. God births us to hope. So it is a possession. So there's an anchor in this possession. Look what he said. According to his abundant mercy. It is a Loving hope. Abundant mercy. The greatest love story I believe has ever been told is that Jesus loved me. I can't figure out why Jesus loved me. I can't tell you why Jesus loved me. I'm just excited that Jesus loved me. When I was growing up, little girls would get a flower or a weed and they'd pick it. And they'd say, he loves me. He loves me not. He loved, okay, I'll admit it, transparent. I may have did it once or twice about a girl. I but I went and heard a preacher one time. You believe it? Now, we're not going to argue about it, but I heard a preacher preach one time that nowhere in the Bible did God ever say he loved that night. Huh. I was wow. driving home. I was preaching. I just started out pastoring. I was driving home. And I, I don't know if I'm big enough for the devil, but he sent one of his little imps. He rode all the way to the house with me and told me if God didn't love everybody, he sure enough didn't love you. He reminded me I grew up with bootleggers and thieves and drug addicts and drunks and, and a no-account part of town. And a lot of the boys and girls I grew up with are either in the penitentiary, they're strung out on something, or they're already dead and in hell. And God didn't love you no more than he loved them, and he didn't do anything for them. I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. When I get home, I'll get that old King James Bible out, and if I can find one page where it says that God didn't love a no-account rotten sinner like me, I'll burn that Bible, I'll burn my ordination, I'll burn my license, I'll go back to shoveling meat down there at that plant, and I'll never mention the name of Jesus again. I got in that Bible and started, Adam fell in the garden. And the Bible said, just like he did every evening, the voice of God came walking in the garden calling for Adam. And God the Holy Ghost said he loves you. And then he skinned animals and covered them up. And the Holy Ghost said he loves you. I got over there in Exodus and he was offering a Passover lamb and he was a putting blood and he said when I see the blood it doesn't matter who's in the house if they're in the house with the blood on it I'll pass by and the Holy Ghost said he loves you I got over Leviticus and they was putting blood on the earlobe and the big uh, the thumb and the big toe I don't know to this day 
say what all that means, but somehow the Holy Ghost made it mean that He loves me. And then I got to the New Testament, and He said, For God so, that changed everything for me. I believe it's the key word in John 3 16. For God so, something happened. He loved me so much, He couldn't sit on the throne. He was righteous and holy, and had been perfect and right to put me in hell. But He loved me so that He had to do something. I'm here to tell you, don't you walk out of here and say, nobody loves you. Now, I'm going to just tell you, I've got four or five of us. I've always believed I was the least loved of all my siblings. I've always believed I was the black sheep, and nobody really cared. But ain't nobody ever cared for me like Jesus. I never thought for one moment that He didn't love me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. One of my favorite songs, I want it sung at my funeral. I was a little Sunday school boy in a little Sunday school class when Miss Fuller Hack set us down, read us a few verses out of the Bible, and taught us this song. Jesus loves me. This I know. How do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. He loves me. I don't know if you figured it out. I ain't got over. He loves me. I'm going to just throw this in. I used to be the young preacher. I'd go to meet them old men of God. be talking. I'd be leaned up like that. Yes, sir. I was meeting one day. I was talking. I looked around and all of the five preachers that was around the table were going, and it dawned on me. I got kids older than all of them. I said, I ain't a young preacher anymore. I got home one of them preachers called me. He said, Brother Weaver, I'm having a little trouble. Can you help me? I said, I'll do everything I can. He said, I'm preaching through the Book of Romans. I don't know how you pastors do, but I always took at least one service, sometime morning, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and preached through a book. I said, I preached through Romans. A daunting task. But if you do it, it'll change your life. It'll change the life of people in the pew. I said, great book. I think it's the magnus opus of Paul's writings. I think it's the crowning jewel. And he said, well, I'm having trouble. I said, well, I'll help you if I can. He said, I'm over there in that verse. It said, Jacob I loved. Esau hated. I just started laughing. You ever heard anybody get, I get happy at church, and you just start talking to me laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to laughing. Said, What's the matter with you, preacher? You had trouble with it too. I said, I'm having a little trouble with it right now. <laughs> he said, well, what do you think it means? I said, what are you talking about? He said, that Esau I hated. I said, well, I'll have to help you with that later because I ain't got past that Jacob I love. Jacob is just as sorry as Esau. He is a hill snatcher. He is a con man. He wouldn't work. He wouldn't work till he got to want a woman. He is no account. He is always conniving. He was no better than Esau. And the Bible said that God loved Jacob. If he loved Jacob, if he loved Saul of Tarsus, if he loved that thief hanging on the cross, he loves me. He loves me according to his abundant mercy. When it seemed like hell's bombarded, from every side, I tell you the anchor holds. He loves you. Not only is it loving hope, he said, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a, what's his word now? Lively hope. And I ain't come to fuss. I'm just an old bow. I just say this, I'm smart enough to make my own stuff up, but I ain't smart enough to remember it. So I preach it one way over here and I preach it another way and I've been all kind of way. So I just decided when I started out, I just preach it like it was wrote in the Bible. He didn't say a living hope. He said a lively hope. You said, well, same thing. Semantics. No, not the same thing. 
My dad was an old-time head-busting backside kicking police officer. I'd never seen him grimace with pain. I'd seen him, I used to grab it, I'd seen him fight. I'd seen his nose broken, it laying over on the side of his face. I never, never grunt, never grumble. But in the last days of his life, he couldn't get out of the bed. He was groaning and moaning like a little bitty boy in agony and pain. He asked me days earlier, go to the chapel and pray God that we die. I went up and prayed and come back. He said, did you pray? I said, yes. He said, are you in God on speaking terms? I said, yeah. He said, why am I still alive? I said, well, God's kind of like you were when you was raising me. I could tell you what I wanted you to do, but you did what you wanted to. You didn't care what I thought. And God's the same way. He, he listened to me, but he's going to do it his way. And he was groaning and couldn't get out of the bed. And he kind of slipped off into a semi-coma. They'd come in and check him in the neck. They'd check him on the wrist. They'd check him in the ankle. And they'd look and say, he's still living. My hero. Meanest man, biggest, baddest man I knew. He just laid there. Couldn't respond when we talked to him. He didn't even move when we spoke. They come in checking. They said he's living. I finally told that doctor, I said, don't look like much living to me. But that ain't what the word of you. See, a lot of us got that laying on our deathbed, barely hanging on. Well, he's breathing and he's got a heartbeat, and that's all the hope we got. But Simon Peter said, we have a life hope. Let me tell you what a life the hope is. Snatch up about three or four of these four or five year old toddlers. Tell them, say, now we all going to sit down on the back pews and y'all do anything y'all want to do. They going to jump on every pew. They going to grab every microphone. They going to bang every key on the pianos. They going to grab the flags, turn these flies over. They going to run until like an energizer bunny, they just run out of gas and fall down. I don't know about you. I ain't got some 95 year old man on a walker kind of hooked down on the inside of me. I got about a five year old toddler kind of hooked. I don't know if it's a heavy you, but he's a stirring up in my soul. I'm telling you, everything ain't right at the Weaver's house, and it ain't all rosy and all going well. But I've got a hope that's steadfast and sure. It's alive. It's lively. It's stirring me. It's a loving hope. It's a lively hope. Don't get excited, Christian. It's a lasting hope. It's, how long is it going to last? He said, verse number three, let's say, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You only going to have this hope for as long as Jesus is alive. Now let me just tell you, you know it, but I want to remind you. He told John on the Isle of Patmos, I am he that liveth and was dead, and I am alive forevermore. Amen. Now, I don't know how long forevermore is, but that's long enough for me. I have instructed my family, especially my children. I have four boys and a daughter. I have instructed, especially my daughter, because she's Sidney Weaver Jr. I mean brainwashed. She don't fucking nobody like me. Got my, my, my attitude, mine anyway. That might not be a good thing. It might be why she about turned 29 still ain't married. But I've instructed her. One day you hear Brother Weaver. Did you hear about Brother Weaver? He just fell over dead. He's dead? He's dead. Don't believe a word of it. 
One day when you walk by him stretched out in a coffin flag laying over it, you reach down and say, I feel his skin. He's ice cold. He's dead. You walk over, don't you walk up to my wife, darling wife, and say, honey, I'm sorry your husband's dead. And you sure better not walk up to my smart mouth daughter. She got it from her daddy. Don't walk up to her and say, honey, I'm sorry your daddy's dead. Because I've instructed her to look you back in the face and say, my daddy's not dead. He's more alive now than he's ever been. He's been waiting on eternal life since he got born again that morning. Uh, the fruit of eternal life. He's not dead. He's more alive now. You say, how are you going to live? is resurrected from the dead. So let the wind blow. Let the ocean waves crash against the ship. Let the devil roar like a lion. Let hell and trouble flood come in like a flood. I've got an anchor. I've got an anchor in this age of adversity. And my anchor... Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website bbclexington.com. Oh,